Wow, wasn't that a special time to affirm and to encourage and to honor all of our graduates? So we're, what we're going to do now is just um, seal that in prayer. And this might feel a little bit awkward, but wherever you're at, if you're at home, in front of a computer or in front of your phone, could you just uh, stretch your hands as a sign of agreement and transference and blessing and affirmation to our graduates? that uh, God will go before them. Let's go and pray. Father, we just lift up to you, O Lord God, Kiave, Emerson, Dawson, Jessica, Cassidy, Lord, and Kaluhi. Lord, they are all yours. And I just pray, Father, that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you would give them grace, you would give them strength, that your favor, your countenance, your presence, your face be upon them, O Lord God. We speak right now for a bright future that's ahead of them. Thank you, Lord, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So we send them now. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And so why don't we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And what we're doing this morning is uh, a sermonette, which is basically like a mini-sermon or an exhortation because our time is short. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And this is something that's from the Sermon on the Mount, but we're not really going to get deep into it. We'll just um, kind of reflect and meditate on uh, a truth and a principle for our graduates, but also wherever you're at. So Matthew 6, verse 33. This is Jesus talking about not worrying and don't be anxious and in verse 33 he kind of brings a book end to this idea of not worrying but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you now the reason why we formatted our graduation sunday differently and we asked the parents to participate is we want not to only have the optics, but also the reality and the substance that God is a God of generations. The Almighty God, all-knowing, all-powerful God, He is the same God who moves, who works, and who saves throughout the generations. Oftentimes, Israel, when they would cry out to God, they would cry out to the God who worked for that he's the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. That there is a sense of spiritual heritage to those who have gone before you and have experienced the faithfulness of God. And here's one thing, one truth that I want us to walk away with, is that even though faith can be passively handed down, you and I, we must actively take ownership of our faith. See, the passing of, the, of our faiths, things that you've, your parents have taught you or values or biblical truths and the training that you've gone through, it could be handed to you, but you must take ownership and activate that and receive the faith that's been handed to you. I was thinking about my own life and how the stories of faith have been passed down. Here's a picture of me and my family. That's my dad on the motorcycle there. 
and he was all legally <laughs> was able to bring our whole family of six. Here I am, I'm sitting uh, on my mom's lap. I grew up in Ojongan Romblon, small island in the center of the Pacific Ocean with no running water at that time and no electricity. And I've heard of the faith. I've heard of this didactic or this propositional truth that has been handed down that God is a God who heals. I'm like, okay, I heard it, but it wasn't until I, I saw from my, and I experienced this the experiential narrative of God's faithfulness where, you know, my mom t would tell us stories or told a story of how my oldest brother, Joby, when he was born, all of us were born at home with the exception of uh, one of my siblings were born at home. And as my mom was giving birth to Joby, um, he had a hard time breathing. The umbilical cord was stuck around his neck. And uh, they, when he was delivered, when he came out, he was completely blue. He wasn't crying. He wasn't gasping for air. He wasn't, they tried to spank, spank him and he wasn't moving. He was pretty much lifeless and he wasn't moving. There was no crying. So they were, what they had the nurse do, or not the nurse, but the help, the nanny, go into the store, go in the motorcycle, go to the store, come back with ice water from the store. And they, they got this ice bath and dipped my brother and he wasn't moving for 10, 15 minutes. And, um, you know, the, the nanny said, hey, you know, your, your son is, is gonna be, I think he'll be mentally handicapped. And you know, I don't, you wanna keep this baby, are you sure? But my mom, such a woman of faith, she goes, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. That God is a God who heals, and I pray against that. And just so happened that um, my oldest brother, who they said was gonna be uh, physically handicapped and mentally handicapped, he ended up being the smartest one. He got a full ride to Harvard, went to Princeton, and went to Berkeley Law, who's practicing as a lawyer now in San Francisco. But all these things that I've heard, it became a reality that it was handed down to me, but it wasn't until I took active um, ownership of my faith. See, Matthew says, Matthew records that Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I could go on and on of the stories of God's faithfulness that's been passed down, but it wasn't until I heard it, but it wasn't until I received it and took it my own. And when I put God to the test, until I understood this meta narrative, this overarching um, truth of God's faithfulness and God's goodness, that if we seek him first and his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you, that it bear fruition in my own life. From my family to yours, the, the statistics are overwhelming. Um, George, or the Barna Group, who's a Christian consulting firm, and they do a lot of research. They're kind of the leading uh, research group, and 
they came out with an article in a, a study a couple of years ago that they said that 59% of millennials raised in church have dropped out. Almost 60% of those, including our graduates, who are born and raised in church, when they go off to college, almost half of them, 60%, have dropped out of the faith. In fact, only two in every 10 Americans under 30 believe attending church is important, which is, has been the all-time low in all of history. 35% of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. And millennials are the least likely age group between 22 to 35 years old to attend church by far. You have this amazing graduates. You have this amazing faith, this spiritual heritage that's been passed down to you. But it could only be activated through faith in Jesus Christ unless you take ownership of these um, stories of faith and you apply it into your own life and put your faith in Jesus Christ and you go all in, then if you seek him first, seek his kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. You know, in the life of Jesus, when people approached him, he never told them, hey, you, you need to start reading the Torah, read all of the Bible. You need to attend the synagogue and you need to go to church. You need to be a good and moral person. You need to obey. You know what Jesus says? Follow me. Follow me. Don't follow rules. Follow me. Pursue me with all that you have. Seek first my reign and seek first my rule. And then all these things will be added unto you. Seek the rule of Jesus Christ and everything that you need will be added unto you. Look at Psalm 37 verse 25. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous being forsaken by God or their children begging for bread. When you seek God first, when you put him foremost, when we don't treat God like a fire extinguisher, break just in case in an emergency, when we don't treat God like leftovers, like, okay, I'm going to do things my own way, I'm going to do things other people's way, when we don't treat God as secondary, but we treat him as primary and we seek the reign and the rule of God, first, all these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? That all the drink that you need, all the food that you need, all the clothing that you need, all the education that you need, all the relationships that you need, all the money that you need, all the health that you need will be yours to do God's will. That God, Jesus says, in order to glorify me, I will never ask from you what I cannot supply for you to glorify me. I will give you everything that you need in order to live under my kingly rule and seek my kingdom and my righteousness. 
and I will supply every need and that you will be successful at that. Test God, young people. Seek God. Pursue his righteousness and you will see the hand and the favor of God. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is worthy not only of your praise and adoration of your worship, but Jesus is worthy of your burdens. Jesus is worthy, is worthy of your anxiety. Jesus is worthy of your stress, of your problems, the things that weigh you down, the things that you lay up at night thinking and worrying and stressing out about. Lay it down before the feet of Jesus. Seek him first and you watch and you see the faithfulness of God. For my parents living out the kingdom and telling us the stories and passing that down, it wasn't until I put my faith in Jesus. When my wife Renee and I, when we first got married, the first couple of years were really rough. It was during the economic recession where the real estate bubble burst and the market crashed and uh, things were really tough both working at the church and we were struggling to make it through with cutbacks and layoffs at the church and um, it came to the point where you know what I told my wife's like babe you know what I need to I'm a man I need to provide for this family and um, I need to get a I, I'm gonna quit this ministry stuff it's not paying for the bills I'm gonna quit being a pastor I'll apply for this job at Citibank and I came in for my interview and guess what? I nailed it, obviously, but in all seriousness, I got my orientation packet. I was supposed to submit, uh, report that Tuesday and um, start work. Um, but as I got home uh, that Friday, my wife, all you young people, this is why you marry right, okay? I hate the importance, but it's like, babe, I don't think you should go, like, man, God has a calling on your life. You're, you've been anointed, you've been set apart. Just trust the Lord and, and seek God's kingdom. Everything else, God will take care of us. I was like, no, no, I gotta do it my way. I'll, I'll figure a way out, I'll get us out of this hole. And sure enough, that Sunday, before I was supposed to report to work, there was a envelope, a thick one at that. And in the envelope, uh, there was a birthday card. There was a card that says, Pastor John, we love you, appreciate you. The Lord put you in our heart. And here's something to support you. And she left a check. And the, the crazy thing was, she accidentally left her checkbook in the envelope. And I called her, I'll swing by and drop it off, and drop it off on my way home. And she said, no, Pastor, I want you to look. Because every 15th and every 30th, $150 and that extra money that was given to us every two weeks uh, was the extra that we needed that the, ex that the job would have provided and so of course I called Monday it's like I'm sorry I can't do this uh, I won't be accepting the job after all the Lord has proven himself if you are willing to go all in, if you're willing to put your faith in God, in Jesus Christ, 
if you seek his kingdom, if you seek what he wants to do in your life, what he wants to do for your future, what he wants to do for your family, what he wants to do for your marriage, all these things will be added unto you. Even in the midst of a pandemic where we're going through a, a mini recession, all these things God will add unto you. And as I close, um, could I, may I encourage the parents? Um, they're realizing now more than ever that really the, the cause of children walking away from the faith uh, is not the church because there has never been such specialty and professional pastors. We have uh, third through fifth grade pastors. We have junior high pastors. We have high school pastors. We have college and career pastors. We have singles pastors. We have uh, youth groups and youth camps and all these different things. And it's not in programs. A majority that they're finding out that children are walking away from the faith is because their parents never modeled it. You know, I was a youth pastor for 11 years and it frustrated me to no end. And I get it, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I came here 19, um, 32 years ago, May 13th. And we came here to a land of opportunity and all we heard was, hey, if you work hard, work on your academics, you know, this is a land of opportunity, you work hard. And as I ministered to primarily, you know, first generation immigrants, it was always academics, academics, academics. Oh, my kid can't go to youth group because they have finals. Oh, my kid, uh, they're not making it to youth service because there's a big paper due. And what parents are communicating in essence is that church is good Churches are priority unless academic overseed, uh, su supersedes that. And when I was a youth pastor here in Hawaii, you know, it's sports. The weather's perfect. It's another beautiful day in Hawaii, Nei, and there's no rainy, there's no winter season, and sports is year-round. And. Parents, they want to raise their kids to be the next Marcus Mariota or Tua Tango Bailoa. And, and they're, instead of going to church every week and modeling and living and seeking God first, you know, sports comes first, school comes first. And when the parents and when their kids go off to college, they're wondering, oh, how come my child is walking away from the Lord? That's when I would get the phone call. Pastor, could you please help me? One o'clock in the morning, my child ran away. Can you please help me go look for him? That's when I get the call. Can you please talk to my child? He's living with his girlfriend now. Oh, she's living with her boyfriend. I don't understand. We tried to go to church. It's because... Ultimately, you cannot give what you don't have. May I encourage you, parents? prioritize seek God first do not neglect the assembly of the brethren all these things will be added unto you keep the main thing the main thing Jesus says what profit what what will it gain man if he profits the whole world and loses his own soul so what if you have a successful college or a child but they don't know the Lord 
What good is it if they have a steady job, a good career, and they're educated, but yet they walked away? There's an old Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is now. May I encourage you, hear my heart. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I was like, oh, when I become a lead pastor, I'll call it out and I'll speak the truth with grace. And this is my opportunity to do that. Please set an example. You cannot give what you don't have. This idea of do what I say, don't do what I do. It's not going to work. You need to live and model that out for your children. And if we put God first, everything else, the big rock, if we put our faith in the solid rock on Jesus, everything else will come into place. All that you need will come into place. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning and we do ask, oh Lord God, that through your Holy Spirit, you would seal the word which you have implanted in our hearts. I pray that our hearts will be fertile, that they will not be rocky, that they will not be full of thorns, that it won't just go along the path, but our hearts will be fertile, Lord, to receive your word and welcome it as truth. Would you give strength to parents? Would you give strength, Lord God, to uh, grandparents right now, that they are the patriarchs and matriarchs, Lord, that they would pass on that faith. The word says, Jesus, you said that what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And so, Father, I pray, God, that the next generation of Christ followers would put you first. And all these things will be added unto you. We thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for Graduation Sunday. We love you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Love you guys.